Can everybody hear me? Okay. <laughs> Did everybody hear what I said? Okay. Um, I'd like to start off with uh, the reading of uh, section 83, 7b through e. For the word of the Lord is truth, and whatsoever is truth is light. And whatsoever is light is spirit, even the spirit of Jesus Christ. And the spirit giveth light to every man that cometh into the world. And the spirit enlighteneth every man through the world that hearkeneth to the voice of the spirit. And everyone that hearkeneth to the voice of the spirit cometh unto God, even the father. And the father teacheth him of the covenant which he has renewed and confirmed upon you which is confirmed upon you for your sakes, and not for your sakes only, but for the sake of the whole world. Let us join in the singing of hymn number 245, and then uh, Kyle Wells will bring the prayer of invocation. Hymn number 245. Father, 
We thank you, Father, for this beautiful day, for this beautiful week that you've blessed us with, this cool weather. We just thank you, Father, for the love that you share with us, the light you shine upon us. We're thankful for the youth, how you bless them. We pray that continue blessing upon them of thy light to guide and direct them. Father, we have come this night to seek thee, to draw near to thee, and to come near that light. And we pray for that Holy Spirit to be with us. It will be shed forth abroad upon each one that is gathered here. And we pray especially for our brother, that you might bless him as he brings the spoken word, Father, that that light will shine upon him, that it might shine upon us. We praise you, Father. We thank you for every gift, every blessing you give us. We praise you. We thank you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it is a pleasure to be with you tonight. For a uh, scripture reading, I have chosen uh, from Exodus, the third chapter, beginning in verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And again, the presence of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And he looked. And behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not consumed. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, And the God of Jacob. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word.
What a blessing it is to be amongst the saints this night. I sense you all have been having a very good week. I could feel the good spirit when we entered these grounds. You know, I haven't been able to be here with you, but throughout the week as I would wake up in the morning, I would say, you know, they're, they're waking up right now as I would do my devotions in the morning. Then I'd think about you all gathered in the dining hall up there and uh, enjoying the fellowship. And then I'd think about, uh, in my mind's eye anyway, I could almost hear the ladies singing in the back before prayer service to bring the good spirit to this place. And I thought about Brother Joe teaching the class and I could almost hear him teaching. And I'd think about the afternoons and uh, the things that you were doing. I wondered if you had that big slip and slide over there or something, because I wanted to do that. And then I'd think about each of those men that were preaching. I could almost, uh, even if someone else was standing up there but those men, it was their sermon. I know by the spirit of those that those men carry the ministry that would be given. I remember a, a few years ago at the South Chrysler reunion, and uh, Brother Steve Ruoff had been uh, scheduled to preach. You know, he was very, very sick, and uh, I think it was Brother Greg that called and and said, "Be on standby." And he'd asked two or three of us to be on standby. And Brother BJ, uh, who will be preaching tomorrow night, stood up to because Brother Steve couldn't. And he'd gone over and talked to Brother Steve about what he wanted to tell the people. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, it was Brother Steve preaching that night. It was marvelous. B.J. was just the mouth. And so I have thought about those things and, uh, and the blessing it is to be at a reunion. And I look forward to coming. This theme for tonight, uh, I wondered when, uh, I think it was Brother Eric that had shared this with me, uh, the light of the body is the eye. And so I contemplated that and uh, read those scriptures like each of you all did and, and considered that. And as I uh, thought about those things, I thought about uh, section 85 and, and where it talks about that we are to have clean hands, pure, pure hands, clean hands, clean feet, just as the little ones sang tonight. The exact things I was thinking as they sang that about where we go and what we let our hands do and what we see and what we hear. It's our focus. Brothers and sisters, it's our hopes and our dreams. It's what we allow into our lives, that light that God wants to shine into us. 
That we cannot just reflect that light, that we can radiate that light, as Brother Oakman would say in the endowment series. That we could be so filled with light that we would be that light on the hilltop. And I think about all the distractions that we all have every day. And that's what's so beautiful about reunions is the distractions are minimized. And that we have opportunity to protect ourselves and it's we're even stronger because we're together. It's a lot easier to keep the commandments when you're with other people keeping the commandments. It's a lot easier when you're sitting in the prayer services and hearing the beautiful prayers and how God's blessed His people in the testimonies. We always say it's a, it's a little taste of Zion. I think it's this little, as wonderful as it is, I think it's going to be that much more marvelous that He is going to pour out His Spirit to such a degree that We will be filled with light. There will be no darkness. There will be no shadow. It will surround us and envelop us. And then I think about how often uh, I'm busy in my worldly activities and cares and other distractions and things that are focusing my attention. I used to laugh at those farmers. They... You'd always hear those old guys talk about, uh, you know, when they're when they're trying to make their rows straight, and you keep their eye on the point. And if they kept their eye there, their rows were straight. After the oil field went down the tubes in the early '80s, I moved up here and I worked on a daylily farm, and I got to drive a tractor and make those rows. And I started out, and boy, I thought I was straight as an arrow, and I was squiggling everywhere and went this way and that way. And I remembered what I'd heard from the old people. And it actually worked. I couldn't believe it. And I think about that in our spiritual lives. And and what is that point that we're to look at we know is the Lord Jesus keeping our eye focused on Him it changes everything I thought about Moses Moses is out tending the sheep for his father-in-law and he's on the backside, and he comes up to that mountain and he sees a bush burning and not being consumed And he said, uh, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not consumed. And when he determined that he was going to turn aside from the things of keeping the sheep and the other things that he was doing and and focus on, he, he knew, he sensed something. It didn't just see, he didn't say it here, but he felt something, brothers and sisters. He'd had experience with God. He was being led the whole time. He was even named 
what he was named because God put it in the heart of that princess or God was leading him along all the way. His mother taught him about who God was. Wasn't it wonderful that she got to nurse him? His own mother. And I thought, we brothers and sisters need to turn aside and to focus on that which is important. That which will lead us into higher planes, that will lead us up to the mount of God. That we can be in His presence too. And how often do we not turn aside? And our focus is on all these other things. Do you see the beauty we could see? Is there anything more beautiful than this gospel that was restored to the earth? That bears testimony that Jesus is the Christ? Whether it's through the Book of Mormon, whether it's through our Wednesday night prayer services. I read one day, I think it was Isaac Sheen said, that those prayer services were designed that we could sit together in heavenly places. That His Spirit would come in and would lead us in our prayers. It would be in our testimonies. It would be in the gifts of the Spirit that were manifest so often in those days. I think of all the, the testimonies that I've read, that I've experienced myself from long ago to not as long ago to today. It's incredible. The beauty in it. The blessings in it. The miracles that we've each seen in our lives from time to time. You know, when I was a a young fellow, a young priest, and this will sound bad for a priest, but this is true, I would hear our people say, didn't we bask in the Spirit today? I didn't feel anything. I didn't know how to recognize the good Spirit. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I fasted about that. Because I wanted to feel that that was my parents and my grandparents had taught me that this was the most important thing in my life. There was nothing more important than this gospel. And I knew that the Holy Spirit was front and center, bearing testimony of Jesus. And I wanted to feel that and know that. And so uh, I prayed and I fasted and I read in Joseph Luff's autobiography about differences of administration. And I'm not going to tell that testimony. You all can go read it. But he talked about a perpetual fast. I'd never heard of such a thing. But you see, I wanted to know. I wanted to feel. And so I began this perpetual fast. I gave up something that was not important. I'll tell you what it was. It was carbonated beverages. But to me, I love my Mountain Dew and my Dr. Pepper. And at that time in my life, that was something I really loved. And I said, I'm gonna, I'll never have that again in my life. And I, I have kept that. 
one day we were going to Grain Valley at the time, and and this one of the fellows stood up to preach, and he he was preaching along, and all of a sudden he began to holler, and the good spirit left that service, and I felt this coldness. I wouldn't give that up for anything in this world. Because I could then distinguish what it was between the good spirit and no spirit in that service. That coldness that I felt. And that was light to me. And it was beautiful. Just a couple of years ago, I haven't seen that fellow in in years, decades. And there he was in one of the branches that I went to preach at. I didn't tell him how bad that was because it was wonderful for me. And you see the beauty of God's interaction with us changes, changes us. It says that the good spirit transforms us into his image. And I, I've kind of marveled at that because what is it that he, cre- he said in the beginning he created us in his image. He also said he created us male and female. People say he's a liar. He wasn't. So why did we have to get transformed all it was spiritually? Which is why the question was posed by what Alma have you received his image in your countenances? Are you filled with that light? That anybody could see, that they could notice that there's something different about you. And we have all these promises. Just as we heard the the children quote that scripture, which was one of the scriptures that we had for today, and you all may, Joe may have talked about it for, he may have gone over time, and I don't know what he spoke about this morning. Whatever it was that ministered to you. And I'm not trying to build him up. But I've seen the, the growth in, in many of you just as I hope you've seen a little bit of growth in me. Over the years. And I, and I have enjoyed the ministry. And I look out in your faces and, and so many of you have had a profound effect in my life. And in this it says, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I've given you to be a light on the hill, and and do, and uh, that we're to be that light that we talked about. And then it says over in the next chapter on this beautiful Sermon on the Mount, and it, it says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also the light of the body is the eye if therefore thine eye be single to the glory of God thy whole body shall be full of light and then it says if not it's not going to be full of light I had that a dream one night and you all have heard it before many of you anyway and And in this dream, I saw myself in a congregation of saints. And in this congregation, uh, there was this this ball of light. 
And it was kind of floating through the air. And if you're as old as me and used to watch those cartoons and you'd sing along in that little ball, and that's what I imagined. And that little ball of light rested upon my head just for a brief moment. And nearing that moment, I had complete comprehension. It was, I was filled with light and understanding and comprehension of things. And when that little light would, that ball of light would move off my head, I was back to myself. And it would happen a time or two, and then I recognized that Satan was in that room. And that, with that light on my head, I opened my mouth and rebuked him and commanded him to get the hint, Satan. And when I opened my mouth, it came forth with such power that it startled me. And from that point on, I desired to have that light rest upon me. That I could comprehend those things that God has, those mysteries of the kingdom. That I could with power and with authority in my priesthood, protect the the saints, that they could receive greater blessings, not because of me, but because of Him and the light that would fill my soul, that would infuse the very cells of my mind. And it made me wonder and what it must be like to be in Zion. To be in the millennial reign. To be in celestial glory. Whose brightness is likened to the sun or brighter. It's amazing. And then I think about all the things that distract me. All the excuses that I make. You remember when the parable of the marriage supper and and they went and called the people out. And what did the people do? Well, you know, I just got married. Oh, I just got this new... I don't remember what he got, but he couldn't go. Made excuse. Have we ever done that? You know, we... We know what we need to do. We know we need to pray more. We need to study more. We need to fast more. We need to repent more. We need to worship more. We need to love each other more. We need to quit letting things separate us from each other that are so unimportant. There's nothing that's more important than doing the work He's called us to do. You're... You're engaged in the greatest enterprise that's ever been established. The stone that was cut out of the mountain is going to roll forth and fill the whole earth. His kingdom. And you're a part of that. You've been called. You've been brought. You're you're one of the few, unfortunately, yet. And have found this glorious gospel. That was taught in former years. We read in the scriptures. In in 4th Nephi. Chapter 1. 
the only chapter there is. That there couldn't have been a people more happy than that people ever created. It could be that way in our congregations. It can be that way in your home. It can be that way in every aspect when you're at work. If our focus and our eye is filled with that light, what does it say in section 85? It will abound. There will be no darkness in you. Do you think when you bear your testimony to others that they would not feel that and sense that? You remember when Enoch went out to preach and they were all offended at him, but they all went to hear because it says a wild man hath come among them. In my younger days, I was preaching along and I used that scripture. And I said, and we need more wild men and for that, for that matter, we need more wild women. And that, I knew it as soon as it came out, it was a bad thing. <laughs> but we do need to have that spirit in us, that wildness that separates us from to be that peculiar people. That they will see the light that we have. And they will wonder and want to know what it is that you have. Do you remember Brother Renfro, ZZ Renfro? He was a Texan, but he moved to Oklahoma. He wasn't from Mississippi. He grew up in the church and he was converted because of the testimonies of his mother. His mother's dad or his grandfather had been very sick and the doctor came and said he's going to die. And told one of the neighbors, you better go over and hang out with that family and take care of them because he's not going to make it through the night. Well, that neighbor happened to be a member of the reorganized church. And he went over and he said uh, to them, you know, I'm a member of the reorganized church and, and we believe what it says in James. And quoted that scripture to him and, and said, if you would like, I would be happy to go get the elders to administer to you. And, and he stepped out of the room and let them decide and the that grandfather said, well, you know, he sure seems sincere about what he, what he believed. I think we ought to let him go get the elders. Now, the guy didn't have a lot of choice. But you see the spirit that that man carried when he bore that testimony, that sincerity. Caused him to want that those elders to come. And so that boy went and he got those elders. And that man, uh, as soon as those elders left, he, he said, I feel better. And he got up and got dressed. And he told one of the kids to go get, the mom, get, get their mama. He said, I'm going to have dinner with you all tonight. And so that little girl or that young lady uh, who had seen her father healed said, there's something different about that church. 
than there is in my church. And so she was baptized. And then ZZ's dad came into the church and he became a 70 in the church. And so they were a missionary family. And and, uh, in this experience, ZZ wasn't excited about the church after, you know, they came in. He'd watched his mom go without, sacrifice while the dad was out preaching the gospel. Saw her have to take in laundry from all over just to, just to put food on the table while the dad was gone. And uh, all these things. And, uh, and he, so he'd seen all these things. And he didn't go to church. He liked playing baseball and he was really good at it. Really good at it. The gamblers in the town would hire him to go get on the team they were betting on. And so uh, he did that, and uh, while all this was going on and him not going to church, uh, his father and his sister got, got a hold of his wife, and she was baptized. And that sister of his told her about reunions in Elk City, Oklahoma. I have a little thing going on with Joe and some others about what state we're from. And so uh, he, he, this was like in the, the fall of the previous year, and it was going to be, what, nine months till we always, in Oklahoma, we always picked August, the first week of August because it was the hottest week of the year. I went to reunions from the time I was one month old till 21, never missed a time, and it had to have been 100 degrees every First week of August. I'd go take my shower and lay down in that bed and sweat on that plastic mattress. And I loved every minute of it. I did. I loved the reunions. I loved to be with the saints that I didn't see. But about twice a year, district conference maybe, in our district retreat and reunion, and three times, I can't count. She began to talk to him about that. And he said, oh, it's so long, far away. We'll talk about that some other time. And so the spring came and she started talking about it again. And he said, well, you know, I don't know. They grew cotton and, and I, I don't know how the crops are going to do. And, and I, you know, I play baseball on Sundays. In fact, when he, one day he was going to, uh, he went over to see his mom and dad on Sunday morning. And then he was headed to the baseball game and his mom and dad they they went out the door together and the mom and dad went north and he went south you know where the mom and dad were going they were going to church and edwin edwin stafford uh, he said it's one of the finest men he'd ever met eb stafford you can read his testimony it's call me if you don't have it said one of the finest men he'd ever met said when his daddy was away on missionary work that that man would take him into his under his wing and tell tell Zine what he needed to do. And he said, I love that man. I'm walking down the street and and who sees but Brother Stafford sees his mom and dad going one way and him going the other. And he said, 
He put out his hand. He said, Zine, you're going the wrong way. He didn't like it. He didn't like it a little bit. He said, where are your mom and dad going? Well, he said, I didn't answer him. He told him again, you're going the wrong way. He didn't turn aside to see the beautiful things that he could see. As Moses did. And he said, and that stuck in his craw. He thought about that all that day long. He's going the wrong. He said, but I respected that man so much, I wasn't going to say anything bad to him. So, not long after that, I guess, uh, he, his wife was bugging him about reunion. You know how wives can do. She wanted to do that. She wanted to be there. And I have a feeling that the good spirit was prompting her and planning within her a greater desire than she even might normally, naturally would have had. And so uh, he said, we can't afford to go. It's going to cost, we'll lose $150. And that was a lot. This was in 1924. Because he'd lose all that baseball money. Gamblers paid well. And he finally said, to, just to shut her up, he said, well, if you can get the money, then we'll go. He knew she couldn't get the money. And he went out in the field and, and he turned around and there was this cloud of dust. The car was driving toward town. She came back, he'd come into the house, was sitting at the, at the breakfast table, and she came in and threw that money down and said, we're going to reunion. He said, where'd you get it? She said, I went to the bank. <laughs> and that's what she did. She went, he said, but we're going to have to pay it back. And he, she said, sure we will. But they went to reunion. They pulled up on those grounds. He'd never been in such a crowd of saints. Never been in such a crowd of saints. Because he was in a small little branch. And so uh, they met. And that in the night after they'd gone to bed, the more people rolled in and it was even greater. And he said that next morning at 8 o'clock after breakfast, the, the young people all met somewhere, I think, out in the trees and uh, for a prayer service. And uh, Hubert Case was in charge of that service, and uh, and so as they met there, he said it was quiet and a peaceful spirit there. At least it was peaceful to him. And and um, he said, uh, Brother Case arose after the prayers at this this meeting, and he arose. And he spoke to me under the influence of the Spirit. And he said that the Lord had a work for me to do and that I would have to clean up my life. There were many things that needed to be changed. Well, I knew that. He said that I needed to begin now and repent and prepare myself for the work God had entrusted into my care. He said, I'd never seen Brother Case before in my life. And I sat there and meditated upon what he said under the influence of the Spirit. He said, the first thing that came to my mind is that my parents told me that Heman C. Smith, apostle in the church, the church historian, eventually, 
had blessed me and said that I would occupy the office of 70. Then I began to think, well, I'm not going under general church appointment if I'm ordained because I know that my mother had made so many sacrifices. And then he remembered what his mother said. He said, she said, it never was a sacrifice. As often as I would do anything for the Lord, he would bless me and take away all the sacrifice. You see, brothers and sisters, we don't trust him enough to do those things. Sister Renfro did. And then he said, uh, I'm not making my wife take in washings and do housework for people. I'll never let my wife do that. And after I'd meditated on these things, uh, he thought, uh, well, I smoke cigarettes. If they want me to be ordained, they'll just have to accept me with these cigarettes. He was being a bit rebellious. And then, too, there was the baseball. And he said, well, I'm playing baseball on Sundays. That's my livelihood, along with that cotton. And with those thoughts going in his mind, the young people lined up and saying we're marching to Zion and went to the, to the general prayer service. And he said there weren't any seats. Brother Case walked right with us, and he went up and got on the rostrum, and, and there weren't any seats. We were in the back, and, and we had to come sit on the front row. And he said it rather cramped my style. And so there he sat, and then up on that, uh, that rostrum, uh, Brother Richard Bullard. And he, a patriarch in the church uh, was up there on the rostrum. And they sat down, and it wasn't long before he walked to the edge, just like up here. And he pointed his finger at Brother Zine, and, uh, and he said, uh, let's see what he said. He said, I know I'm pretty close here. He said he arose and walked over the edge of the platform and he put his finger out and he pointed at me and he said, Brother, the things you've been thinking this morning cannot be. God has called you to a great service. You have you can you to put you have to put those things out of your life which have hindered you from carrying out the work of the Lord. He spoke to me in length, and when he got through, I felt I had truly been ministered to. And I think that's the way it is with us as we talk about wanting to be filled with this light. We, where our treasure is, our heart is, we think, okay, Lord, I'll do, but I'm not giving up this. I'm not giving up that. And so I say to you, brothers and sisters, and say to me, The things you are thinking cannot be. God has a work for us to do, and that's to build His Zion, to help Him build it. To bear this testimony into the world, to be a light into the world. That they, this, we aren't just for us for Zion. It says the gospel we preached in all the world, there will be people come out of every kindred, people, and nation. It's going to be glorious. 
I just imagine, like I imagined at reunion, what it would be like to have all your neighbors to be Latter-day Saints. What it would be like to see our pews filled. What it would be like to see our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren there with us. What it would be like To go to work and you're amongst Latter-day Saints there too. What it would be like. To be in Zion. And the church of the firstborn comes down and meets with you there. And maybe you could hear Moses tell his own story. In his own, well he did it in his own words. But you'd hear him in person, bear testimony. I saw this bush burning. We need to turn aside from our daily lives. We need to quit thinking that we're giving something up. We're saying we're not going to give it up. That we could receive that blessing. And it, you know, it talks about how we glorify God. And then it says that we glorify God by bearing much fruit. Those fruits of the Spirit that are so beautiful. Can you imagine being filled with joy? It doesn't say we won't have tribulation, but it won't matter. It's kind of like in Jeremiah chapter 17, and it talks about those that put their trust in God. They're like this tree planted by by the stream of water, and even in drought, they just are still sucking up that moisture. They're just filled with the Spirit of the Lord. It's where we plant our lives. It's the things we choose to do, the things we think. The discipline we have to study and to pray and to fast, to truly repent, to partake of the Lord's Supper with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, to do those things that we could have a marvelous impact in all those around us. I long to meet Chuck Miller when he's like that. And I hope that day comes sooner than later. I hope we're full of Texans and Oklahomans and Mississippians and Indians and Brits and French. People from France, I guess they're French people. I hope we're just full of all these these people. It's not just a hope, it's my dream. It's what I've been taught all my life. It's what I've heard preached from many of you. We have such an abundant life, brothers and sisters. When bad things happen... We know who we turn to. We've been blessed abundantly. 
We've been given the gift of the Holy Ghost. He comes and dwells within us when we clean ourselves up. We change what we're thinking. And think of Him. When we look unto the Lord Jesus, we look at the cross and and hate the sin in our life because of the pain and the anguish and the suffering and bloody sweat that we caused. The light of the body is the eye. Let us take in the light in full measure. Every day, you ask the Lord to help you. We can't do it on our own. You ask your brothers and sisters to pray for you. I wanted to close and and quote a song that a hymn that you're very familiar to you. We thank thee, O God, for a prophet to guide us in these latter days. We thank thee for sending the gospel to lighten our minds with its rays. We thank thee for every blessing bestowed by thy bounteous hands. We feel it a pleasure to serve thee and love to obey thy commands. When dark clouds of trouble hang o'er us and threaten our peace to destroy, there's hope smiling brightly before us, and we know that deliverance is nigh. We doubt not the Lord nor His goodness. We've proved Him in days that are past. The wicked who fight against Zion will surely be smitten at last. We'll sing of His goodness and mercy. We'll praise Him by day and by night. Rejoice in His glorious gospel. And bask in its life-giving light. Thus on to eternal perfection the honest and faithful will go. While they who reject this glad message shall never such happiness know. May God bless you. May His good spirit rest upon you. May we resolve to be a different people A people filled with light. Thank you, Brother Chuck. Um, Let us close our service with hymn number 197. We limit not the truth of God. Hymn number 197.
the blessed name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. We come before your throne of grace to ask your permission to uh, bring your Holy Spirit here with us tonight. And it has been spoken to your word. And we thank you, Father, for this beautiful week you've given us and for this opportunity we had to come together, to worship together, and to call upon the holy name and to learn of this light that your Son has for us. Father, I would ask that you would go before us now and that uh, all these, as they part of their homes, would take that spirit with them and they would be blessed and their homes would be blessed and the homes around their homes would be blessed. That all would understand and know that you are the Christ, the Holy One of Israel, our Lord and Savior. And it is in your blessed name that we have worshipped this night and we pray that the worship was uh, adequate and beautiful to you as it was to us. Father, I pray that you uh, continue to watch care over all these I people and give them a safe journey and give them happiness in their homes and in their hearts, that they might share all that they have with all those around us. We praise you and thank you for all your blessings, and we ask it in his blessed name, even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 